Hi, Bob. Um, I'm really delighted that we've been able to carve out this time to be together. Um, you know, when we've been thinking about preparing for summer 2021, and of course that preparation started, I think in around May 2020, um, I knew, you know, obviously knowing my background, I knew that there was going to be a psychological component more than ever before to preparing obviously children, but also whole families, you know, for the camp experience. Um, of course, when I had those thoughts, I didn't think that I would navigate that alone. I knew that you would be the perfect partner to, to help me, um, you know, move through the various stages towards camp um, with our camp families. Um, so I'd just love to introduce you, Bob, because we've known each other a long time. Um, in fact, your relationship with IHC started with Dave and Shelley um, many years ago. Um, and Joel worked with you, you know, when he was a young staff member. Um, so you That's really right. understand, yeah. you understand the history of IHC, um, what we are all about, because I think the true fiber of who we are has remained the same, even though a lot has changed. Um, you also are a child and adolescent therapist um, with a very successful practice in Boston. Um, and you have a really um, great appreciation and understanding of camp. Um, and that is unique. You know, there's not a lot of successful clinicians who also have the experience with camp. And as you know, like that, those two pieces, um, you know, are so interrelated in so many ways, but an expertise that a lot of people don't have. So um, I would love for you to share with our new families. A lot of families will know who you are, but, you know, just in your own words, you know, a little bit about yourself and, and, and your obviously connection to us. Well, first of all, thanks, Lauren, for inviting me. And I'm a big IHC fan. As you said, I started coming to IHC back in the 90s when Dave and Shelley Tager were running it. And I was just so impressed with the care that they took with individual campers. I mean, it was, you had that sort of, I mean, all camps say they have this family feel, but I've been to a lot of camps in the United States, like over 600. And when I came to IHC. And I remember the first time Maddie said to me as I walked in, he said, welcome home. I almost teared up because it's like, yeah, I kind of feel like that. This is like my second home. And what I think is so great is the way that you and Joel have, you know, continued that tradition and you just make kids feel like they belong there, you know? And, um, you know, so I've, I've, I've got just a deep appreciation, not only for what camp does, but in particular, what you and Joel do at IHC. Well, thank you for that. And look, we always say that I think part of what makes this experience so authentic at the moment is that we are in the thick of it, right, with our families that we have for young children, you know, and we're living the, the experience, right? And that's one of the, you know, the most amazing things about our role at camp, and particularly my role as a woman, is that I am connected to all these other moms, you know, whether they're at home with their kids, or they're juggling, 
you know, um, a, a job as well as motherhood. Um, you know, some people are caring for their parents and everything in between. I'm in the thick of it with them. Right. And there's just mm -hmm. this shared experience that has been extremely helpful to Joel and I as we've been navigating our tenure, you know, as the owners directors of IHC. Um, and as you know, it hasn't always been easy. And that's where you have been able to support us and provide us a lot of guidance, you know, over the years, like not just in terms of our leadership, but in terms of how we also support our community. Um, and I, I do want to, you know, share with our families, particularly our new families, that you are somebody that has always consulted with me. Like if I'm having a situation on any given summer, you would be a consultant to us who I can phone. We can talk obviously confidentially um, about a situation that I'm being faced with and, and have been a really good resource. So I don't think a lot of people know that. Like I think people know that you know, I have a psychology background, um, but they might not know that we always have partnered with you as a consultant to support me in things that, you know, maybe need a little bit more discussion or have been, um, you know, a resource for our parents, you know, if they also, you know, wanted to connect with somebody, you know, outside of kind of the leadership of camp. So, um, right. so, so thanks for that. So tell, tell us a little bit though about your, um, experience as, you know, um, a camp staff member, because you're not just coming at this at 30,000 feet, like seeing camps running and seeing how you can help leadership, like you actually have been a staff member. So, you know, could you share a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, so first of all, um, I never went to camp as a kid because in that time and space that I grew up, I just didn't know about camp. I think it was sort of a great, wonderful secret that I didn't know about. And when I was in college at the age of 19, I went off to camp for the first time as a camp counselor. And I think, you know, some of the people who were directors there might joke about was I a, a camper or was I a counselor? Because I think I had as much fun as the kids did. But what I was impressed with, I was a, a psychology major at the time. What I was impressed with was the impact that it made on these kids. And I had never seen that before. And I, I went back a couple of years, uh, got my degree, um, you know, kind of took some time between going back to graduate school and went off to uh, Cape Cod, where I became a, uh, a counselor at a, a boy sailing camp, and then eventually the assistant director. So just like you and Joel, you know, live what your parents are living. And so if a parent calls you, you know, from experience what they're really going through. I really know what happens like in cabins and, you know, in activities and on those walks you take with kids from the dining hall back to the, to the cabin that are so important. So I have that sort of in the trenches uh, kind of experience. And so I know what it is. I know what the impact is. I think that's, I think, in fact, I remember once going to uh, McLean Hospital here in Boston, and I, they have a, a, a Friday lunch series, uh, speaker series for their, for all of their um, psych residents. There are 200 people who come in, and I, I talked about camp, and it was as if they'd never, I was speaking a different language. It was like, wait, what is this? Like, how do we find out more about this? We need to send our kids to the, this kind of place. You know, I think people, and, and, and I don't mean to kind of jump to this too quickly, but I, I think people underestimate and undervalue 
um, the power of uh, the kind of enrichment that camp uh, gives to kids. Frankly, Lauren, I think we're going to need that this summer more than ever. Yeah, no, and I would love to kind of, you know, discuss that a little bit more. Maybe we could start, I mean, you have a very vibrant practice in Boston, yes. you know, um, maybe you could share with us, like, who is part of your practice and what you're seeing, um, you know, within the, the kids and adolescents who come to your practice. And, and, and maybe I just preface it that by saying to our families, you know, I am talking with many of you on a daily basis. And I know that many of you are making it work and your kids are doing okay. Um, but I also know that many of you are looking for additional support networks for your children, or maybe have them speaking to a therapist. And that is so common in this moment. I think it's a very busy time for, you know, psychological services. And I am a huge advocate for psychological services. I think that it's something that like a pediatrician, we should have that, you know, um, you know, available to our kids and tap into, you know, when we need it. Um, and of course, the reason that I'm putting this webinar together with you, Bob, is because I want to provide that resource for parents that maybe say, I don't think I need to go to the therapist. Like, I don't think I need my kid to be in there. Or maybe there's just logistical challenges of getting your child there, you know, considering we're all just trying to make our lives work right now. So this is a resource for parents if they need it, um, and a resource through you sharing your experience and expertise. So, um, so with that said, tell us a little bit about, you know, your practice and what you're seeing right now. Yeah, sure. So first of all, um, the families, uh, you know, whose, you know, whose children I see are, I think, mirror very closely the families that IHC serves. You know, these are families where they value education. Uh, they really put a lot of uh, energy and effort uh, into their kids. They care deeply about their kids. Um, they see uh, psychological services as a resource as opposed to a stigma. Um, and I, you know, and I think they really want that they're very tuned in to their kids as busy as they are as much they, as they are, you know, part of the professional class usually, or they're small business owners, or, um, you know, they're part of, you know, they're, they're sort of major players in, in businesses across the country, and they're very busy. They also take the time to really pay attention to and nurture their relationships with their kids. Um, I also think they're families that tend to send their kids to camps like IHC. Right, they see the value of that summer enrichment. Um, so I would say again that the kids that I see are probably very similar to kids who go to IHC. And what I'm seeing, you know, the it's kind of like you alluded to, Lauren. I think the impact of the pandemic we know is not equal. There are some kids who have suffered some great loss. You know, they've had grandparents who've died. They've had uh, grandparents who've had close calls. Who've had been very sick. Uh, or they've had an uncle or their father or mother had a you know, college roommate who got sick and died. Um, so, and, and then there are others who didn't have that kind of loss, but have been cooped up in the house with their parents for more than a year. By the way, ironically, this is the week that the, that the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus a pandemic. And this is when we all were like, oh, like this is serious, right? Um, and here we are a year later. And I think, um, you know, so that the, 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 the impact of the pandemic may be very different. Some, 
families did well and, you know, their businesses thrived and other families, you know, there were parents who lost their jobs or were put on furlough. So um, the, the, I think the impact is very different, but what I would say is everybody has had some kind of loss, right? Right. Um, right. Everybody has, right? I mean, kids, well, one of the things I think the pandemic has shown us is the limits of social media and talking to a screen while it's better than nothing. I think what we've realized is that, and like kids, kids knew it all along. I think they just didn't tell us. There are real limits to what connecting on social media does for kids. And I think, um, you know, what we've learned, if anything, is that, uh, and I see this, the kids that I see talk about this all the time. You know, there's, we, we listen with more than just our ears and we talk with more than just our mouths. There's something about presence that kids miss. Um, and I think they miss their friends. I think they miss school. We know that school, you know, is 80% social. We don't like to think mm -hmm. about it that way, but it is. So kids are learning much more all the time than just academics. And I think we have to think about the whole child. Yeah. I hear kids who say, it's boring. You know, every day is the same. I can't, I lose my attention when I'm watching on screen for school. Mm -hmm. um, I get so tired. Um, I'm cranky. I can't be mm -hmm. with my friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not just whining. I think there's some real loss there. Yeah. Yeah. By, by the way, the other thing that we've seen, Lauren, is that kids who have an underlying, you know, vulnerability, for example, if they're, they have attention deficit disorder, or if they have anxiety, if they have mm -hmm. uh, depression, or if they have some touches, they're dusted with a little Asperger's, right? And they normally do well, right? Because they have mm -hmm. resources in school, they have friends, they can play outside, they have clubs, all of that's gone. Mm -hmm. And so what we're seeing mm -hmm. is that kids mm -hmm. with underlying vulnerabilities who normally cope really well have really struggled during mm -hmm. the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I and mean, that's, that's a little, yeah, snapshot. Yeah, that, yeah, no, that's helpful. And I think like, you know, parents like myself, we know that too much electronics is not good for our kids. And right. we've accepted that it's part of the, the, the life that we are, the, the, the time period that we're raising our kids in. And I joked with my own girlfriends way at the beginning of this pandemic, you know, when we kind of migrated up to camp in March, that my kid's schedule was pretty much, you know, revolving around the battery life of an iPad, right? And here I am is a massive advocate for like no electronics, being outside, family time, connectivity. But there were just realities of the moment that we were in that that I needed that to help our family right. function, right? Um, and right. I definitely, I'm somebody that's about moderation, but, you know, let's just talk quickly about, um, and, and I want to separate it into the kind of younger age group that are not quite on social media, and then the older age group that are. And I know that I don't want people to think that I'm using this webinar as a let's bash all electronics. I'm not. But I do want to just put into context for, for parents the things that we have to think about um, that essentially camp becomes the therapeutic antidote for that, right? Um, yeah. So so let's talk about time on electronics and its impact on emotional regulation. And um, I have two children out of my four that, you know, we call the iPad the crack pad because they're addicted 
And then after that, they are a different child. And I obviously, you know, know that it's because of what it's doing to their brain. But, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, emotional regulation or dysregulation that comes from too much electronics and how a space like camp is, is really, you know, the, the nemesis of that, right? It's, it's, it's where kids really thrive. Yeah, so there's two ways to talk about it. One is, um, you know, what is the actual impact of all of that uh, electronics on on a child's development? And as you say, you know, emotional regulation, self-regulation. But the other is what it replaces. In other words, the loss of socialization, because it's where kids learn frustration tolerance and, you know, impulse control and how to share um, you know, all of those things come from delaying gratification, um, self-regulation, all of that comes from socializing, right? It doesn't come from electronics. What electronics do is they um, hit the reward system. The people who design the games and design all of the features uh, in these games know how to keep kids coming back, right? Mm-hmm. So there are these little rewards. There are, it's always striking the dopamine system, which is the reward system in the brain, which is what, what makes you say, I can see how my kids get addicted to it. Mm-hmm. The problem is that it also exhausts the brain in a certain way. So you see kids after they're off of their electronics being irritable, being cranky, um, having that kind of re-entry, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, problem. Um, and by the way, I think most parents, um, you know, are like you, they've made this kind of concession to their kids because it's just the time we're in. I mean, it's what, what do you do when your kids are home and cooped up? So I think parents are uneasy about it and have made this sort of uneasy concession. Mm-hmm. And I think they also know, and I think this is part of what you're getting at is there's going to come a time you know, especially if they go off to camp where they have to pull themselves away from that and they have to get out of that, um, that, that routine, which, mm-hmm. which has been highly reinforced by the reward system in the games themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So not only is there a lack of self-regulation, there's this incredible stimulation that right. real life, it's kind of like eating candy, you know, that is so sweet and, you know, sugar begets sugar. You want, you eat sugar, you want more sugar. That is what dopamine does in the brain. And I think that's what these electronics do. Right, right. And, and you know, camp it always has been, like even before this moment, but never more than this moment. Uh, you know, kids participate, right, in real time, in real life, um, in reciprocal relationships and moments. Yeah. So they generate a similar kind of like, you know, dopamine response, you know, um, but, but in a way that serves them better in life, right? Because it's relational, right? So, so the idea really being that in childhood, when we are creating the blueprint of how we navigate, you know, our relationships or the social world, right in the future. And I think that's this, the secret, right, is one of my really close friends, you know, gets really upset when people say to her, you send your kids to full season sleepaway camp? Like, do you not like your kid? Like, you know, why would you give that up? And right. she's like, Lauren, like, give me the words. And I'm like, right. well, you're you, you know, what you're giving your child, like, you can't, like, don't justify yourself to people who are committed to misunderstanding you like they're living 
in the dark with what camp actually does for our kids, right? Is that you, by sending your child to camp, any camp, not just IHC, but that social space without adults is creating this blueprint for how they then navigate the social worlds moving forward, right? So, you know, that's why we are so committed at IHC to making that a positive experience, right? Because that's the blueprint, like that they feel good about their interactions, their accomplishments. They feel good about their conflict, you know, resolution, right? Is we all have tough moments socially, but can you navigate those with the help of adults? Obviously when you're young, can you conquer it and can you move on? And it, and it creates, the feel good hormone, right? It creates like the same response, but in a, a, a more helpful way, right? So, you know, it's interesting, like people have said to me, like, what do you expect, you know, the kids to be like when they show up to camp this summer? Um, are they gonna be able to transition in as quickly as normal? Um, are they gonna need a lot more additional support um, and so on? So what are your thoughts on that? Like, I certainly know what I have been communicating, but what are your thoughts on, okay, so you have children that have been home for so long, they've been on electronics, they're actually coping, they may not be thriving, there is a difference, but they're coping, we're sending them to camp, which feels like we're going from zero to 60. How do you feel these kids are going to land at camp? Again, thinking more about, you know, the, the kind of elementary, maybe middle school age group. So I want to go back to your, you know, camp mother who called you and said, you know, what do I say to this other mother? Mm-hmm. Who, mm-hmm. You, you, mm-hmm. Don't I love my kids? Uh, and my response to that is not only do I love my, do, do I like my kids? I love my kids. Mm-hmm. And that's why I give them this gift because it is mm-hmm. a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that camp is going to really be uh, a way to psychologically and emotionally help kids reset right? Right. Mm-hmm. They haven't been in, and, and that's the way I would say it. They haven't been in social situations. And if you want to do the brain chemistry, what we're talking about is games really hype up the dopamine system. That's what mm-hmm. we, that's the addictive system. What relationships at camp do is they ramp up the oxytocin. That is the connectivity, right? That kids feel like they belong. They have friends who have their back. They have friends who support them, who know what they're going through. They mirror each other. They support each mm-hmm. other. I think all, first of all, I think you are going to have a range of reactions on the part of kids. Mm-hmm. Some kids are going to be so excited and mm-hmm. so exuberant, you know, to be free and to be in a place that they perceive as safe, right? Mm-hmm. Where they can be with their friends and run around probably for the first time, you know, by then. In, in, in more than, you know, 16 months, mm-hmm. um, I think you're going to have kids who are going to be really exuberant. I think you may have a kid, few kids who are almost overstimulated by it all. Mm-hmm. You know, they're mm-hmm. so excited to be with their friends that they may be a little silly or they may be, you know, they don't, may not know when to stop or, you know, and then it'll take a week maybe to kind of adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll have other kids who might be a little bit more apprehensive, a little bit more fearful, worried about like, disconnecting from their parents, but as you and I both know, because we've seen it, they too will adjust, right? It's basically you're immersing kids in this um, 
this this uh, community of support and wellness mm-hmm. and where it's really child focused and mm-hmm. i think it you know you talk about that sort of late elementary school middle school year that's when kids are naturally you know you know sort of departing or leaving or just um, you know sort of separating from their parents anyway being part of clubs in school, being part of say Boy Scouts, Girl mm-hmm. Scouts, all of that sort of natural, that naturally occurs at around eight, nine, 10. Mm-hmm. Perfect age for kids to go to camp and be part of a bunk and think together and compromise and cooperate and mm-hmm. you know talk about, you know figure out their conflicts with each other with mm-hmm. the support of caring adults. One right. of the things that I always say to camp counselors, and I'd like to say this to parents is, where else, because this is a, another element of, of camp and what you do so beautifully at IHC, where else do kids who are 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, get to hang out with really appropriate, interesting adults who are 19, 20, 21? Where do they get to do that? Mm-hmm. Camp. It's the only place I can think of, right? And where they look up to those, you know, by the way, camp counselors, we know can get kids to do things their parents can't get them to do, right? To listen, yeah, to to try a new food, to try a new sport or a new activity, to make a new friend, to, you know, reach out. You know, we have kids who come to camp who are introverts and who learn how to become comfortable in an extroverted world Mm -hmm. with the support Mm -hmm. of counselors who are just like them, right? So um, I really think, I think the word that you may be looking for is, and I don't think this is an overstatement, camp is gonna be like an elixir, right? It is a way that we are going to help kids reset themselves emotionally and psychologically. And by the way, if kids don't have a chance to do that first, Mm-hmm. They're going to suffer academically later, right? Oh, I 100%. Think, yeah. I mean, and I, I, I'm going to get out of my soapbox right now, but I get a little nervous. I understand people's concerns about, you know, uh, uh, learning loss. I get it. And that, mm-hmm. you know, the lost mm-hmm. year of learning or academic learning. And I think it's important. Of course, it's important. Mm-hmm. And I know kids. And I know that kids are able to concentrate better. They're able to do deep thinking much better. They're able to be creative better when they have been psychologically and emotionally grounded. And if we don't do that first, mm-hmm. we're gonna perpetuate this learning loss. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, so, I mean, it sounds to me like you really feel that camp is gonna afford children almost some kind of recovery, Absolutely. you know, you know, I, I think you use, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't think, I think you used the word reset, but in some ways, like with everything else that you were saying, I was saying it's, it's almost like a recovery. And right. of course, you know, that I am also an advocate for, you know, um, decompressing from the academic side of things you know that academically, and I'm very proud of my academic achievements, I was a very late bloomer, but I had parents who were educators who was who just let me play, you know, and 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 be social. I was a social, you know, uh, person in our house. And, you know, I am such a believer that kids need that space to decompress. And there's also a lot of studies to show. And this is different if your child has a learning challenge or learning difference. You know, one of my sons has a learning difference and he has ongoing tutoring you know, because 
that's important for him to continue with his gains. But, you know, for, for kids who are meeting their milestones academically and typically that period off, actually there's studies that show they yeah might have a little bit of learning loss, but the gains that they then make it, towards the end of the first um, semester surpass those of the kids who continue with some form of academic, you know, um, tutoring or whatever, you know, throughout the summer. So it, it's been evidenced, right? So, um, so what would you say, though, to a parent, um, and I have not forgotten about the adolescents, I do want to get back to them in one second. But what would you say to the parent who who is saying that quarantine has really suited our family, like we've had more family time, it's been amazing quarantine suits my child, like they are her homebody, they're very connected to us, like, you know, they love that we're home, you know, they're, they're comfortable in this little bubble of the family, um, right. which also, you know, I have one of those too. So what would you say to that family who's saying is camp necessary, like is camp, you know, if they're so happy like this, what, you know, I think I'm making the right choice, but right. What, well, are, what are your, first, what's your advice or, or thoughts, I guess, you know? Well, first, first of all, I want to acknowledge that I think there are a lot of families who have discovered family time. And I think that's one of the great silver linings mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. pandemic. You know, kids mm -hmm. people are, you know, playing board games more. They're talking with each other. They watch TV mm -hmm. together. I think that's been terrific. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think any of that is going to be taken away, you know, when kids go off to camp. I, I guess mm -hmm. my, ans my, my answer to a, to a parent who would say, does my child really need camp is no, unless you want them to live in the world. But if you're right. willing to keep them in that bubble of your family, right. you know, right through their thirties and forties and fifties, then fine. Right. Don't, you right. know, but that's not right. the world and that's not right. life. And I think as the world opens, you know, kids, and I, I like what you said, it is going to be like recovery. I think mm -hmm. normally camp is an enrichment experience for kids, right? It's a deep enrichment experience for kids. I think this year it's going to be recovery experience for kids. I think mm -hmm. that's kind of what you're getting at. Mm -hmm. And I think we've, I think in the whole country, frankly, we have under, uh, underestimated the impact and we've undervalued you know, what that enrichment does for kids. We have to think about kids as whole kids, not just academic robots, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think that what I would say to a family about, you know, the fact that they've had a very comfortable, wonderful kind of family experience is that's wonderful, that's great. Mm -hmm. And that isn't lost when your kid goes off to camp. They keep all of that, that's all inside. Mm -hmm. And what you're giving them is uh, the keys to how to be in the world and be in the world as successfully as they have been in your family. Right, and I talk a lot to parents because one of the you know most common things that I'll hear, particularly from a first year parent, is you know they're so attached to us that I'm worried, you know, about sending them to camp. Yeah. And I always, you know, remind them or sometimes at the beginning, it's educate them that, look, a child that has a very strong, secure attachment to a care caregiver is a perfect candidate for sleepaway camp. Because Absolutely. what those children do is they transfer the attachment really quickly is that perfect. a child that has got secure, strong attachment is right. looking to fill that void in camp. That's right. um, so they actually, you know, it goes against what you would perhaps think, but obviously as 
clinicians, we know that no, that no, actually it, the opposite is true. Um, and, um, but, but that, that's really helpful. Um, so yeah, I, just, want, I wanted to say something about what you just said, Lauren, because I think mm -hmm. it's very, very insightful. I think what parents miss is when they say, oh, my kids are so attached to me. They think about that attachment as a personal thing. What they fail to realize, and I think it's what you're really articulating so well, is that attachment is a capacity, right? If your yeah. child has a really healthy, strong attachment to you, what you're not getting is that's an intern. They built this internal capacity for attaching. And, right. and I love when you say it transfers to camp. Absolutely. And yeah. I think parents... That's, and by the way, I think it's a relief to parents also because, yep. you know, do they really want that kid to be attached to them when they're in their teens and their twenties and their thirties? Of course, but also to be in the world. Exactly. And I think it's also comforting to a lot of parents where both parents work or have a really big job. Um, and then there's a caregiver at home that could be a grandparent or a nanny or an au pair that if your child is attaching to that caregiver, that is a win, right? Because they're developing secure attachment style, which by the way, as you and I both know, is really what dictates the, the kind of social well-being of life in a way, right? It's how you then form attachments to close yeah. friends, to romantic partners, to your own children and beyond. So I think it's so comforting to know that if your child has a secure attachment style, they transfer that to another caregiver. But, you know, obviously I also as the recipient and Joel and Maddie and all of our team, you know, we have a very top heavy team, you know, that we've made the decision to invest in a really high quality, large leadership team, because my point has always been, I want skilled people and enough of them to be ready to accept that attachment and reciprocate it. Right. Is that, 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 that I think is the secret sauce of IHC is that, we are ready to receive these children. So yes, they are ready to transition that attachment, even though they don't know they are, but we are ready to receive it. And when that caregiver is there to receive that, kids thrive in camp. They may not be the most social child in camp, they may have their challenges, but they feel secure. And then we work behind the scenes to do the rest to make them successful in the social right. realm or whatever. Um, so, so let's just talk about our teenagers because obviously they're online as well. And a lot of our teenagers aren't in school. So they prioritize the little ones getting back, which I do understand. But I've also talked to parents about the fact that my heart really does break for our teenagers. Like, and I think it's hit them really hard. They're in a social period of life and that has been taken from them. There's also been milestones. So for many of our campers, special birthdays or a bar bat mitzvah, you know, um, family members that maybe were supposed to get married, like, you know, they were in this phase of life where the social realm, their friends and whatever is everything, right? And that's been taken away. So, you know, I think part two, my, my big fear is the, 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 the online applications that they enjoy promote comparison. And I'm worried about a prolonged period of time with 
them looking at things that naturally make them compare themselves to those things. And I believe that camp is connection without comparison. And I can never communicate strongly enough how important that is. You know, it used to be just for young women. It is now also for young men. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what the long-term effect of that could be for this age group that are just so vulnerable right now? Yeah, so I only have about a hundred ideas as you were uh, <laughs> talking. Um, I want to I want to uh, say that I think you know social media has increased the tendency for teenagers to look over their shoulder and compare themselves to others, and even though they know that everything they see on social media has been sort of hyped or you know uh, edited or whatever, um, comparison is the thief of joy. Right. As soon as we compare ourselves, we feel deficient or we feel that there, there's no joy in that. And, you know, to talk specifically about teenagers, I think there are three things happening with teens. And by the way, you know, the Kaiser Foundation out on the West Coast and even the CDC have done studies and surveys. And, you know, we see that the level of depression and anxiety in teenagers in the last year has increased by over 40 percent. So there are three things. One is what you said, that teenagers are naturally social. This is their time to really connect with their friends deeply, um, to you know, go off from their parents, to sleep overnight at their friends' houses, to go on vacations with their friends and their friends' families, and all of that stopped. And not only have they lost the, so the, connect, the connection, the relationships, they've lost the opportunity for mastery outside of the family. Meaning if I have a sport, I can't play it anymore. I can't compete. I can't play basketball. I can't play soccer, right? I can't go on the crew team. I, will, I was looking forward to trying out a new sport and I can't do it. We're not having practices. Or if we do, we don't have real games. So I think there's also the loss of all of those markers, all of those milestones, mm -hmm. which to me is the opportunity for, for teenagers to experience mastery outside of the home. And then the third one, which is a big one for teenagers, is autonomy, right? right. Here they are. Right. This, is the, this is the opportunity in their life to begin to feel autonomous. Like they have a separate sense of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's also tied to obviously to their developing identity of who are they and how am I different from my mom or dad? How am I me and not just my mom or my dad, right? <clears throat> or how am I different from my sibs? And the way they experience that is with their friends. They go off and do things. They feel accomplished. I did it myself. Mm -hmm. And so those three things, relationship, mastery, and autonomy, I think, by the way, those are the primary colors of psychological health right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, teenagers have not been able to experience any of those. Mm -hmm. And I think they've been hit harder than younger kids particularly because of the autonomy piece, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They have been cooped up. They haven't been able to go out and they've even regressed. Um, and I think teens need camp even more than, than mm -hmm. anyone else because I think they, they experience all three of those things at camp. They have those deep relationships. Mm -hmm. They have the opportunity to experience mastery away from their family. And then at the end of it all say, I did it myself, which is really mm -hmm. autonomy. Right, and right. So that's it in a nutshell. I, I yeah. the, the teenagers I see, Lauren, in my practice are suffering more than the younger kids 
because they feel that cooped up uh, and the frustration mm -hmm. of not being able to be strike out on their own, basically. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, I hear a lot, you know, the term little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems, which I don't fully agree with, but I understand what people are saying, right? That if you, particularly in relation to camp, if you have sure. a nervous eight-year-old, it is easier to get them to camp and to navigate that than if you have a nervous 15-year-old. That is very tough. And I do want to acknowledge that for any families that are watching that have teenagers that are nervous, because that's a real thing. Um, yes. you know, and that's difficult to navigate. And I think also, you know, you want, you, you absolutely want to do right. I mean, we always want to do right by our kids, but when our kids are little, there's room for recovery, right? Whereas when we, when, when they're getting older, you know, they, you know, I think we feel more vulnerable as parents. So, you know, for, for the camper that is feeling very anxious, you know, um, maybe a little bit depressed, maybe a little bit of a combination of both, you know, just encouragement that you're that that I listen, if anybody needs to be home and take care of their emotional and psychological well being, I will support that. But at the same time, encouraging them and their parents that recovery can be hard, right? And you have to put yourself in the arena, right? And that you're not by this point at IHC, like you've been with us for many years. And I always I feel my vulnerability because I feel like I lose my connection to the kids. I have a really strong connection with the kids on late camp. I want a strong connection with them on hill camp, but they're at a period of time where they are kind of like, yeah, we're good. We don't need you to visit us every night. And it's almost, I'm sure the same as what parents are experiencing with them Absolutely. at home, but sure. then they come back to me, right? You know, try West and particular CITs. They would curl up on my lap again. Maybe not quite, but you know what I'm saying? Like they come back Absolutely. to me. Yeah. So just to, kind of remind families that and campers I give their campers my cell phone number we talk directly because I want that relationship with them is you're not coming to an unfamiliar place it feels unfamiliar because we've been out so long but your anxiety is is about the experience that you've lived over the last 12 to 14 months um camp is your home right? And we are ready to receive you and help you heal. And that takes a lot of guts, right? And confidence to put yourself in that arena. But if you can get yourself there, you will be in a very therapeutic space, even though it's not a therapeutic space. It's, it's, it's a, a therapeutic space by default, um, as opposed to being geared to be a therapeutic space. It just is. Yeah. Um, do you have anything kind of to comment or reassuring words for, you know, those families and those campers? Yeah. So first of all, I, you know, one of the things that I think parents can say to their kids and, and should be saying to their kids is, look, nothing about this pandemic is normal, right? the only thing that's normal about it is the way we feel about it, right? Mm -hmm. Normalize mm -hmm. a little bit the apprehension, mm -hmm. normalize the anxiety, to normalize that feeling of frustration, right? Um, I think the second thing that parents can say to their kids is it's not going to be forever, right? There's light mm -hmm. at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. We may have a lot of uncertainty about like, when is it? That, that's the other thing about the pandemic. There's not going to be like a, you know, a finish line. It's not going to be a very specific, we're done. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. It's going to evolve. And so that creates uncertainty. And 
yet there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. I think the third thing, and I think this is kind of what you're getting at, Lauren, is once teenagers get themselves to camp, all of the natural inclinations they have are going to be rekindled. It's natural. Right. It's going to be a natural right. process. Their desire for novelty, right? Mm -hmm. That's a teenager brain thing. I'm, they seek novelty. They don't want to be at home. They want something new. Mm -hmm. Camp is all about new. That's why you have the hill. It's like, we're done with the lake. We need something new. We need our own space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's that seeking novelty I think it's that seeking that those deep connections outside the family. And I think parents need reassurance mm -hmm. that even though you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't have as much control, kids always come back. Like you said, that mm -hmm. original attachment is foundational. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't ever go away, right? Mm -hmm. So I love it. I think it's a gift to teenagers that they can go to a place where their natural inclinations will be rekindled their desire to connect with mm -hmm. kids, be in there, create their own space, create their own world, mm -hmm. seek out novelty, and then feel like I did it myself. I have this sense of it's mine, right? That's right. a gift. That's a gift. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I suppose across all ages that if you were, you know, to say, go to camp or stay home, like we have all these things going on, you know, increased anxiety or you know we got into our routine of just being together that, that there is no right or wrong here you know and I'm not we're not here to convince anyone to send their children to camp everybody watching this webinar is sending their kids to IHC this summer and you know is excited that's the phone calls that I'm having but there is truth in that if you stay home you'll be okay and, and you will move on in life and, you know, the next chapter will be ahead of you. And if you come to camp, you will be okay. And in fact, be able to indulge in all the things that were the actual reason your parents chose us all those years ago. If you're a teenager, or even if you're a first year family whose parents right. only toured last summer, that, that camp, um, what we can accomplish at camp, you will be okay either way, but what you can accomplish at camp, this recovery, you know, um, is really unique to camp, right? And this is where this webinar is for so many more people than just people who sign their child up to IHC. It's for people who choose to send their children to a social experience, any camp, any, however length of time, you know, um, a sports camp, you know, an arts camp, like whatever it is, it's universal, isn't it? That what you get in those days, weeks, or months, you cannot replicate anywhere else. So for our families who are sending their children away for seven weeks, you know, just to remind yourselves of your original why, even though there is a ton of noise, right, with the pandemic. And I, I do think that you know, IHC families don't need to feel convinced about Joel and I putting in place the protocols and procedures that we will. Um, I think, again, that's why they chose the camp. But just when it comes to the kind of emotional piece and the well-being piece and all of that is like, go back to the beginning, yeah. right? And, and, and I would also say that for children that I have known over the years, and remember that my first generation of campers are now getting married and having babies. So I've been doing this now for some time. Uh, 
um, Joel's original campers kits are at camp, right? So we've been doing this for a long time that since the beginning of time, there have been children that have had severe, you know, reservations about the sleepaway experience for a whole myriad of reasons, you know, some of which are related to um, a similar situation that we're in now because we've been through viruses in the past, not quite like this, but also family loss, you know, changes in family dynamic, illness that that child has experienced themselves, you know. But what is so interesting is that any ailment that a parent tells me about before camp, we see less of, of course. during camp, sure. you know, and that's not just about, you know, diagnosable things. That's about kids have a better, more, more expansive palate at camp. They eat more foods that they eat at home. They sleep right. better, even though they don't right. sleep at home. They stay right. in their own bed, even though they don't at home, right? Great. You know, they, the yeah. parents say to me, I don't think he's going to go to the bathroom. They go to the bathroom at camp, you know, the, 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 out with, you know, the more kind of, you know, worrisome things as a parent, the little things tend to really not present in the same way as they do in regular life. And I think that that also evidences quite beautifully the kind of freeness that children feel at camp, that, 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 that we are supposed to be sent outside and go play. Right. Um, and, and we don't do that as much with our kids anymore. Um, but look, when we do that, all of these things seem to somewhat resolve themselves, which is yeah, incredible. I, yeah, I, I, you're right. It's, it's, I think it's a sense of freedom, um, but also a sense of ownership. It's like, this is my mm -hmm. place too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a little story I want to tell you along mm -hmm. that line. I have a young fellow I see, he's now 15 and he has what he calls his quote unquote superstitions, which are his rituals at night before he goes to bed. He has pretty severe OCD. And so he has to go through these, you know, very sort of ritualistic sequences of behaviors before he can mm -hmm. feel safe to go to sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. When he goes to camp, he doesn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. None of it. It's all gone. Mm -hmm. And his parents were like, wait, what? And mm -hmm. it's like, well, exactly what you say, whatever it is that kids manifest at home, that is dysfunctional, or, you know, they struggle with always manifest less at camp. And I think it's because of the rich buffet that you offer kids and they take, they partake of that buffet in, you know, as they can in their own way, you know, to their, you know, to their own ability. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And you let them do it. At, not, nobody's forced mm -hmm. to do it more than mm -hmm. they're comfortable to do. They're encouraged. Right. They're supported. And I think that's where that sense of freedom and ownership comes from and autonomy, which is so important. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then that together in summer 2021, you know, with all the restrictions that have been on our kids' lives, you know, the social distancing, the mask wearing all day in school, if they're in school, you know, the not being able to have their large group gatherings. I'm hearing kids are craving normalcy. So, right. you yeah. know, camp, I do feel any camp again, um, affords right. children an opportunity to exist 
in a way that feels so normal. Like, you know, we, the CDC guidance has come a long way, you know, um, that the, the kids don't need to wear masks all the time at camp. Like it's not necessary, you That's know, right. that it's going to feel so normal. Now, of course, we're going to be sensible, you know, all, I mean, lots of people have worked extremely hard collaboratively to make sure that we all know how to open camp safely this summer, but, you know, we will be sensible, but it will feel very normal. 90% of what camps are doing to keep kids safe and healthy this summer is behind the scenes. The kids won't even know, right? And then yeah. the 10% will feel so minuscule in comparison to what they have been experiencing in their lives that right. they're going to be like, this is it. This is all we have to do. Like, I can just be a kid like I think that in itself is going to be such a create such a high for children sure. that um and, the, and there really is no other space um at the moment available to our kids that that can accomplish that right right you know it's interesting um all of the research that I've ever read and I'm a big um you know sort of re, you know I, mm -hmm. a deep thinker about camp safety mm -hmm. but all of the research I've read and this has been consistent for 50 years is that the safest place for a kid to be during the summer is at camp. Mm -hmm. They have fewer accidents. They have, they just, you know, it's, it's, it's safer in so many ways. Mm -hmm. You guys are experts at, you know, putting kids in, you know, risky situations like archery or swimming or whatever it is mm -hmm. and making it totally safe. And so you're, you're already expert at knowing how to create safe spaces. Um, if I, you know, were to, put kids of my own somewhere, it would be camp because it's like, mm -hmm. I know you are the people who know how to do this, right? Look, you know, if I had one thing that I could get across to Congress and to the president, it would be, you know, how do we make it possible to send every single kid in the country to camp this summer? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I would, because it's, I would be such mm -hmm. a proponent of that because I think kids need that emotional and psychological reset, which is what they're gonna get. And you're right. Most of them are going to be exuberant. They're going to be, wait, what? We can just run around? They're going to be so relieved and so excited. To be honest with you, I think 2021 is going to be probably one of the most special camp seasons you're going to have because yes. kids are going to appreciate it and savor it and see it as special more than they ever have. You know, it's, it's I remember that old, old Joni Mitchell line, you know, uh, it always, isn't it always the way it seems to go that you don't know what you've got till it's lost mm -hmm. and kids have lost their innocence. They, you know, here we are saying there's this thing you can't see it's in the air. It might kill you or your grandparents. Mm -hmm. So you got to wear this mask. And by the way, just relax, like mm -hmm. that ain't going to happen. Right. So mm -hmm. kids have lost their innocence. And I think being able to go to back to camp and experience, as you say, Lauren, that normalcy, just like, mm -hmm. Oh, Ah, we can be kids. It's going to be mm -hmm. such relief, such mm -hmm. relief. Look, I think there are two emotions that this pandemic has really created for a lot of families and a lot of kids, even though, as you say, a lot of families have done well. Mm -hmm. One is helplessness, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing we can do about this virus. It is what it is. We have to, it, 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 it runs the game. We don't. Mm -hmm. So there's this feeling of pervasive helplessness, mm -hmm. and I think loneliness. And those are the two most difficult emotions for human beings to tolerate. And Absolutely. when kids come back, yeah, and when kids come back to camp, they're gonna feel 
much less helpless and certainly not alone. <laughs> exactly. No, that's, that's extremely yeah. helpful. So, and kind of wrapping this up, you know, um, you know that I could go on and talk to you for hours. Um, we could go on for a few days, right? Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, we're both passionate about camp on any given year, but none more so than now. And I agree with you that, you know, we've been advocating for years that camp should not be a luxury. Um, right. Camp should be a necessity that every child, child has access to. Right. Um, which is why we're all passionate about, you know, the, the charities that, that we support. Um, but just to close, you know, let's just talk real quickly about parents. And we have gone through our own journey of loss and um, right. fear and all of those things. And that in this moment more than ever before, it's going to be a challenge to separate ourselves right. from what we are projecting onto our children. Right. That, that, that I've spoken to parents that I have known for a decade, you know, that have, you know, older kids now coming through, but they're, but they're the older child to me is their third child that's come through camp. Right. You know, there is a piece again of letting go. Sure. Right. So yeah. can you talk just a little bit of advice for those parents that, because we also know, and, and I hold myself in this category too, I'm a buttoned up mom. You know, I know where my kids are. I know what they're doing. Like, I mean, my oldest is 11. Come on. Like, I'm not really prying sure. yet, but sure. like, I'm a buttoned up mom. And, you know, I'm not a helicopter parent. I think you know that. Like, I, I, I believe in failure. And, and, I, and I think that that's where you grow. But I know what my kids are doing. I know where they're, who they're talking to. We are not doing sleepovers right now. Like, you know, we are one of the few that are still not. Like, whatever. My point being, like, how do we help? How, what, can we, what can you, as the expert, share with parents that, actually need to just let go a little bit and trust like what can you how could you speak to them so first of all i i want to acknowledge that um the feeling parents have about their 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 anxiety their trepidation about letting go is simply we have to honor that that's mm -hmm. that's that's your love for your child that's terrific mm -hmm. that will never go away mm -hmm. and we need to honor that so this is not about trampling that or mm -hmm. you know um you know devaluing that i think mm -hmm. it's to say yes that is uh isn't it a beautiful thing that you love your kids so much and mm -hmm. one of the things we teach our kids is that what they feel and what they do are two different things mm -hmm. that you can feel something and behave quite differently and that that's mm -hmm. a measure of maturity that's what growing up is all about mm -hmm. and so we have to practice that ourselves as parents like, you know, it's it, kids are like little tympanic membranes. It's not what we say that they learn. It's what we do. So I think that it is natural to feel some trepidation. It's natural to feel some anxiety about letting go. And when we manage that, we're actually, you know, we're actually modeling for kids um, what we're trying to teach them, which is what you feel and what you do are two different things. And here's the third thing. What we have found out from some really, really great research, which is a little bit surprising in a way, is that one of the things that, that helps kids lead a healthy life 
is when they see and actually trust and experience that their parents have a full life separate from them that has nothing to do with them as kids. In other words, kids need to see their parents living their own lives, right? Going out to dinner, you know, having dates with each other, you know, having date night, you know, having their full life separate from the kids. Because if the kids are at the center of their kid of their parents' um, you know, happiness, that's too much of a burden for kids. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, wait a minute, why would I want to grow up? If my parents aren't happy without me, then why would I want to grow up and be an adult? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think what parents need to understand is, yes, this is an act of trust. It's totally an act of trust. And their kids need to see that act of trust. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, mom, dad thinks the world really is okay for me to go out. They really do trust. Mm -hmm. They've equipped mm -hmm. me with what I need mm -hmm. and they're willing to let me go and do it on my own, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that's a huge, huge learning experience. Yeah. And if as a parent, you don't feel that, you shouldn't send them to camp, you right. know, that, that you have to live your truth. And we've said from the beginning that there are no judgments here right. um but kids are savvy and kids right. see through yeah. false falsehoods yeah. even right. when we think we are being the best actors ever yeah. um but if you know in your heart of hearts you know that and again i'm not having these conversations i see families that i'm talking to are saying i can't wait to send them to camp they need to be with you they need to be there it's going to be great but if there's a few that, you know, are feeling that way, you, in your heart of hearts, you know, this is really hard for me, but I know they need to go to camp. That is why I'm right. here. That is right. why Joel is here. Like, this is where you need to tap us in to support you. That's and right. I believe that when you care for other people's children in parents' absence, that you are serving both parents and both child's emotional well-being. And I just want to remind parents of that, no matter how seasoned a parent you are, you know, that this is a unique moment. And if you need reassurance or support from us, that is ultimately why we're there, you know, why we're here. I view our jobs to be, you know, um, risk assessors, as you've said, and, and ultimately to look after somebody else's child, you need to feel that you can do so safely. We risk assess everything. Um, and then I think we're also, you know, we provide connectivity for parents and kids and staff that our role is to be there for you um, and, and help you navigate that. So, okay, well, Bob, this was so helpful for me and I'm sure many parents will also find it helpful Thank you for your expertise. Sure. Um, you know, do we're I, hoping. Do I, if I just throw one more thing in there? About yeah. What said. So yeah. I think there are some parents and we haven't said it as explicitly as this, who feel a little guilty about sending their kids to camp. Right. And I think what you're saying is, you know, you have to live your truth, but I, I want to add one thing to that, which is mm -hmm. that I would invite parents not to feel guilty, but rather feel grateful that there is such a resource for their kids, that they can give their kids this mm -hmm. gift. And rather than feel guilty, I want them to also savor the time 
that they have away from their kids. It doesn't mean you'd love your kids any less. Mm -hmm. You're giving them a gift. So for parents who feel a little guilty, I would encourage you to feel grateful instead. So to the mom who said, why do you send your kids away mm -hmm. for seven weeks? Don't you love them? My answer would be not only do I love them, right? I really want them to have a leg up. I'm gonna give them this gift. Now you should check it out yourself, right? I so yeah. I know. And for me, one of my most, some of my most, um, I think, finest parenting moments or periods have come off the back of time away from my children. Yeah. You know, sure. and again, yeah. my oldest is 11 and I have been fortunate. I have lived in the little kids, little problems, but they were big to me because they were mine. They were my problems. Um, sure. Some of my, my most... Um, courageous and valuable and insightful and compassionate um, parenting periods have come off the back of me being away from my children for a period of time. Good point. So, yeah. Bob, thank you so much. Um, sure. We're hoping to do one more. We may ask some of our families to put in some questions. You are a qualified clinician, you have a successful practice, you are the person to go to if your child needs, you know, um, assistance or is thinking about camp as well and, and needs a little, you know, bit more guidance. So you're available for our parents to, to, to ask questions to um, and hopefully we can, you know, get that organized in the not too distant future. But for now, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Lauren.